Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Remember the Odds. We talk about everything from the 2000s, from Boyfriend by Ashley Simpson to Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne. From that time they remade the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, to that time they remade Hitcher, to that time they remade Friday the 13th, from all the remakes, the odds were just full of them. Yep. But, but today... That's right. We are, we are very honored because today is the first time we're having a guest on the show, and I'm really happy because I've been a fan for a bit. But uh, today we have Diana, one third of Queens of NC17 with us today. Thank you as for we joining start, us. Hello, hello. As we start yeah. off our October series on horror films. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. I know we haven't really made a name for this mini series yet. So we got to come up with one. Oh, there's so many options. It's all Halloween is full of fun puns. Yeah. It's really easy. I'm sure you'll come up with something. It'll be great. Yes. So, if you will, would you tell us quickly about yourself? I mean, I know about you, and I will say that I'm a fan of your podcast. My favorite episode being Night of the Creeps, which I'm super glad uh, has had kind of like a nerd resurgence in the last few years. It certainly had more popularity in the last, like, 20 years than it did for the first 10 after its release. So it's it's been really interesting to see how that movie has, like, finally had its moment mm. in the spotlight, but so much time later. It's been really interesting. But, yeah, so I'm Iana Isabel. Um, like you said, I am one-third of the Queens of NC-17, which is a horror movie podcast. I... Do it with my two best friends, Andy and China. Um, we have been friends for more years than I can count. And our friendship started because we all used to work at a company where we made Halloween masks. Um, so we have a lot of affinity for all things spooky, paranormal, and Halloween related. So on our show, we pick a movie. Um, we try and pick things that are a little less popular only because there are so many talented uh, podcasters out there who cover the hard hitters and they go into details about the history and what makes those movies special in the context of the time. So what we do is a little different. Um, we are crude, we are lewd, we are foul-mouthed, and we are not for children or for the faint of heart, hence the name NC-17. The movies we cover are pretty vile and so are we. So fair warning, uh, not for anyone who doesn't like a potty mouth or a fart joke. I'm surprised at this point, and I don't know how this has been for you, but like as a female who curses, yes, I still find people who are surprised when I start cursing. Well, uh, having only just met you, you do <laughs> present as a very sweet girl. So I Thank think you. maybe it is the contrast between your physical presence and then these words that people consider to be so nasty. But I have always been foul-mouthed and very But you loud. seem very sweet, too. Oh, no, not at all. I, there's nothing sweet about me. You're the worst. I'm the actual, literal, certified worst. But um, I, I, I don't know that people are surprised by the... Well, people are surprised by the things that come out of my mouth. Usually on the show, though, I have to pull it back a little bit. People, I think people are surprised when I cuss in front of my kid. 
but uh i personally how, how old is your kid my son finn is 14 he turned 14 oh. last week uh, oh but i've been cussing in front of him yeah. since he was a baby i had to get him used to it um yeah, sure. but i i don't know i just like curse words are very effective means of communication so i'm not gonna limit myself to them because somebody somewhere thought they were ugly. i can attest to that though your guys re-snap so i listened to on um bloody bloody bible camp oh my god that movie sucks Okay, that episode I really want to listen to. Oh, it's to. so just, bad. Just a small side note because it looks so ridiculous. Oh. Like I can't handle a lot of horror movies, and we're going to talk about that, and we have talked about that. But I'm very excited to hear about that movie. I would say that uh, you're also a group of girls who are not to be fucked with, as I'm sure Gideon <laughs> realizes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Gideon. Uh, yeah, we, so we just started doing remote podcasting. So we've been doing our show for almost four years now. Um, and we actually have a second podcast, which is Queens of Reality TV, Ooh. same format. It's just us bullshitting. That might be yes. more up your alley, Courtney. Yes. <laughs> but we, we cover specifically, um, early 2000s VH1 reality TV. So we're doing Rock of Love, Flavor of Love, oh I Love New York, uh, Charm School, like the whole lot of those. So we started with Flavor of Love season one and then we went to rock of love we did scream queens and we're just about to start uh flavor of love season two so that may be something that you can get into same flavor but different content speaking of things that have aged how do you feel about the new resurgence of people's love for new york from flavor of love so my love for the HBIC Tiffany Pollard yes. has never faded. Yes. Um, she has always been my queen yes. and I am so happy for her, like genuinely happy for her because I think she's an incredible performer. I think that she understood the power of those shows before anybody else really did. I think she understood branding. I think she understood building a character. Hell yeah. And I think, I think the fact that people are like really interested in who she is and what she's doing now, outside of being a very beautiful woman, obviously that helps her brand. Um, but I think that it, it is a testament to the fact that like she curated what that name means that you can say New York and you're like, wait, that city or the fucking queen of reality TV. I wasn't sure who you were talking about. It's like an orchestrated tornado brilliant yes. it is absolutely it is calculated chaos in Beautiful. the most fabulous delicious tantalizing car accident kind of way and she she has never in my humble opinion never made a misstep so going back and re-watching those now i hadn't visited them since they aired originally so now coming back to them all this time later being older like looking at them from a different vantage point i was just like damn this holds up yes this is great yes. it's amazing <laughs> Yeah. So speaking of things holding up or coming back to things and revisiting things, we've got a couple of movies in today's episode. Tom? Yay. Okay. So when planning, I knew early on, especially when the show started, I'm like, I get to plan the Halloween month. Mm -hmm. Especially following our, I am going to say, successful mini series of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But that was more me. Which we, yeah, it was you. We planned that. So I'm like, I own Halloween. I'm going to own it. And I think I had just watched on Shudder. Shout out, they're not paying us, but maybe one day. 
But should be. Yeah, yeah pay us all, Shudder. Shutter. They've got the money. They're owned by Amazon, I think. I just assumed Elijah yeah. Wood owned Shudder. <laughs> at this point. Elijah Wood, he should, but he he's, he's playing a smart game yeah. over there. I will give Elijah Wood all yeah. of my money. Yeah. Speaking of things that have aged well. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. But So I had watched Ginger Snaps and I'm like, we need to talk about this movie. And then my mind kind of started speeding with ideas and I was like, I would love to do the first comparison. Not even really like a versus, because I, we like, I liked both movies. And I'm going to be selfish and say, I don't want to say that one is necessarily, I'll say my preferred one. But this episode, we're going to talk about Ginger Snaps from 2000 and then Jennifer's Body from 2009 and kind of talk about not only the differences in the the, 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 the idea of the feminine horror, but also just how different the odds were from one end to the other end. Yeah, and especially because I'm going to look at it from, I, I tried to grasp what I liked about them, but it was uh, hard for me to sort of take myself out of my usual movie viewing self and think, okay, what can I like about these films? What can I get from them? And I've been thinking a lot about Susan Sontag's Camp versus Kitsch, mm. which was the driving force for the Met Gala's Camp uh, theme. Yeah. So I'm thinking like uh, Ginger Snaps is more camp. It's more of that classic like horror movie camp. And then Kitsch is brightly colored, it's very silly, and it plays on sort of the running joke of itself being this horror movie that's focused on a female that's killing boys. Um, so that's kind of the way that I've been looking at it watching these films. Both movies feature very dummy dumb boys. <laughs> that's because boys are dumb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love any horror movie. As uh, I so I've been getting called a woman in horror for the last couple of years, which is really exciting to me because, again, great affinity for the genre, um, for the holiday season, which as as for you and me starts now, um, well through I don't know what's that sparkly holiday with the trees. <laughs> I like to just push Halloween from one end of co like cool weather to cold Agreed. weather but um but women in horror in general like i am always hyped to see female writers female directors to see female makeup artists sound designers um main lead characters protagonists antagonists like i just want it all and so anytime the story follows um two best friends and they're both female and it's not done in an over-the-top, like, like, Disney friendship kind of way. Anytime I see any semblance of, like, reality and the, the hardships of those relationships, especially when it comes to becoming a woman together, um, I'm always on board and I will always give it a chance. And maybe I'm even a little more forgiving because of those things. Yeah, hey, I completely get it. And I think that's why I wanted to go with these movies. Like, I was like, they're... I was shocked because um, I'm going to read the synapses for both of these really quick. Just for the viewers yes. who haven't seen it, which if you haven't, go watch them now. Come back later. We'll forgive you. I think everybody from the 2000s knows Jennifer's body, but I didn't know about Ginger Snaps until you mentioned it to me about a month ago, Tom. That's actually a good point because I am the opposite. I watched Ginger Snaps and I watched it because I went to 
I had like Blockbuster had this deal where you could rent two movies at a time. You pay for like three months, you get two movies, you constantly go back and get more movies. And I had a I had a video store guy, which I miss. I think our this generation doesn't have the video store guy, which is just the guy who knows too much about camp movies, who gives them to kids who shouldn't be watching them. I have one. He just doesn't work at a video store, so it makes <laughs> things really uncomfortable. So he's just a guy. He's just a guy just telling a guy. me what to watch. Yeah, he's just some guy who's like, you know what you should do? And I'm like, man, I should not <laughs> stop and talk to you. I can imagine that being awful. <laughs> it's my oh, whole neighborhood. Shit. But like, so this guy, it, it was the same summer. I had watched a bunch of movies that summer. And he was like, yo, you should watch Ginger Snaps. And I'm like, what's it about? And it's around the same time, like, there was a decent amount of werewolf movies at this time. I remember... There was one by, was it Wes Craven or Kevin Williamson, um, Cursed, with Christina Ritchie? Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that one. It, did, it didn't It did really, like, make much of an impact. No, I but I remember, like, I, at this point, for some reason, I was just all about werewolves. All about it. And then Ginger Snaps came in at that perfect time. I was like, a movie about werewolves? Girl werewolves? Werewolves. <laughs> Girl werewolves going through puberty. And- no! I remember falling in love with that movie and just being like, this movie's fucking awesome. But like no one really knowing it. And then, um, and this is something we could talk about when Jennifer's Body came out. I didn't actually see it because I, for some reason, the marketing sold it on like the hotness of Megan Fox. And I was like, I don't like Transformers. I'm not going to watch this movie. Oh, wow. So you had seen Transformers before this. Did Transformers come out before this? That's not right time. Did it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It came out, I think, I'm going to take a guess and say 2007. Wow. Okay. Wow. I didn't realize time, like in my mind, this was first, but I guess that all is a matter of when you actually watch those movies in your life, right? Not when they come out. Right. I think this movie was shot like bef- around the same time, but Transformers had come out first, then Jennifer's Body. Again, like it's a horror movie with a female director and writer, the studio, I think, might have sat on it for a little bit. And then they're like, oh, Megan Fox, like, we could sell it on her because the marketing makes it almost a very different movie. For sure. I think that's one of the things that I struggled with because, um, like, my favorite scene comes much later in the movie. And there's that joke that she makes, right? The one where she's like, well, I go both ways. Yeah. How amazing would that moment have been? How hilarious would that have been if they just didn't share it in the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. But that was the thing that they oversaturated with. They wanted to focus on, ooh, look, sexy girls. Like, they make out. And it's like you're missing the best part of this. You're giving up your whole hand. I guarantee the game you the, the writer and director didn't have say on that. Exactly. Like, I guarantee yeah. you that was a studio decision because we're selling tickets. And I mean, especially at that time, right. like the, the difference of accessibility for like pornography, getting two incredibly beautiful women, two very popular, incredibly beautiful women right. in a maybe sexual relationship, but it's unclear. Like, come on, right. you could take, Take the whole house with that. Right. Oh, yeah. Let me read the synopsis of this. Sorry. I was burping. <laughs> All right. So, Gen- Ginger Snaps, 2000. Two death-obsessed sisters, outcasts in their suburban neighborhood, must deal with the tragic consequences when one of them is bitten by a deadly werewolf. 
Did I change last night? How would the moon... How do you feel? Wicked. This is a very confusing time for your sister. Ah! Boys, they're potty, trying to fit in. And then we got Jennifer's Body, 2009. A newly possessed high school cheerleader turns into a succubus who specializes in killing her male classmates. Can her best friend put an end to the horror? Hey Jennifer, you look really pretty. Why don't you just come by my place? That was random. This isn't really your house, is it? We can play mommy and daddy. No way. <laughs> We always share your bed when we have slumber parties. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Interesting. Based on those synopsis, they don't sound similar at all. They leave all right. the, the things that tie them together are totally left out of um, the Ginger Snap synopsis. And that's the weird thing is that, like, just for the record at the top, for those who have not seen it, these movies are very similar. Like, there are enough differences that I wouldn't say it's a blatant ripoff, because it's not. It's still, they're very different no. movies. But the beat-for-beat beat story structure and a lot of the themes are the same. Um, the writer, Diablo Cody, she talks about how, like, she's a horror fan, and she just got off of, like, the success of writing Juno. And, like, and she is a brilliant writer. And even the director, I I looked her up. Karen uh, Kusama, right? Karen mm -hmm. Kusama. She did another horror movie in 2015 called The Invitation, which was pretty awesome. I loved yeah. it. She also did like Eon Flux. Yeah. I did not watch The Invitation, but I read. So I can't, what I can't really handle visually, I still want to know story-wise. Okay. So even if I am too afraid to watch a horror movie, I will go read the synopsis because I'm very curious to know what it's about. Interesting. And the invitation, I thought, was a very interesting premise. It's really good. Yeah, and the lighting is really cool in that movie from what I saw the from light. the pictures. I'm really shocked because Diablo Cody has gone on record talking about how she's a fan of you know, the Romero movie. She's a big horror nerd. She talks about Tex Chainsaw Massacre. She talks about fright night and the lost boys and but but someone's like hey what about ginger snaps the other female horror movie involving two girls and she's like nope never heard of it i well that's probably for safety yeah. right you gotta distance yourself from like i couldn't have copied it i've never heard right. yeah i think most of the similarities might even come from the visual because the story themes on paper are different. I agree. I think there's definitely like some some cinematic moments that are probably repeated in both trailers. Um, but like the quintessential like beautiful girl walking down the hallway in slow motion. But I mean, how many movies involving teenagers over every decade have that oh, scene? You know yeah. what I mean? It's not unique to these. Yeah, two. I actually thought of another one that had it and it's a comedy. One of my favorite comedies of this era, which had a lot of language that didn't age well, but uh can't hardly wait. Oh, I don't think yeah, I've even that... seen that one. It's so funny. I know, I'm oh, sorry. Man. I know Jennifer Love Hewitt's in it. No. Ethan Embry's no. in it. Ethan Embry, Ethan Embry. Uh, Seth Green 
Ethan Embry is like a baby pup. Seth Green is a literal baby pup. It's it's like a stark studied cast, and it's definitely like if you wanted to grab that moment in time, it is a perfect snapshot. I agree. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't age well, but that's true yeah. for right. most of what came out right. of this decade. It's not it nothing in it, I would say, is problematic. Because that's the thing. Problematic to me is something where it's blatantly offensive for the sake of offense. But it's like yeah. I'm gonna forgive a movie that was made in 1999 for for you know if you're using certain language that to just kind of fill out the screen time. I'm like I get it. I mean we even in Jennifer's body we have Chris Pratt calling the band what a bunch of fagos. Yeah, I think that's but that's to paint a character yeah. too, right? I think that is his character and his character would have said that. So right. I think that's the part that gets yeah. tricky is like sometimes we're very quick to be like problematic, write it off. But if it's part yeah. of what that character would say and do, and if it's true to who that person was within the context of the story, there are times where I think like that stuff need absolutely needs to be there. And then there are times, like you said, like if it's just offensive for offensive sake, like, well, let's see how many gross things we can fill this moment with. Like to me, those, th that kind of writing is very lazy. Yeah. And that's part of what I didn't like about bloody, bloody Bible yeah. camp is it's lazy. And, and for me, like overt jokes about like gender or, and I have felt that way long before I understood it in the way that I do now. I think there are just things to me that are like, you know, jokes of tropes about like um, husband and wife dynamics. I find very gross and like, don't find any humor in that. Like the annoying naggy wife or the, the dumb, I don't get it husband. Like to me, that stuff is so played yeah. and yeah. tired. Like I can't, I can't get behind it, but it doesn't mean that if I see it in a film that came out, I mean, even a, a current day film, I'm not going to dismiss it just because of that. It just like, I'm making little check marks about shit. I, I think the want. immediate assumption that something should just be banned or is problematic or a part of cancel culture is a lack of understanding the nuances and complexities and is more of just a fear of, I don't think I completely understand this thing, even though I want to. So I'm just going to label it as the bad thing before yeah. even understanding yeah. where does this fit in culture is it intended to be offensive? Is it just meant to make a stupid joke just to fill a couple of lines? And also, it depends sure. on the format, you know? Like, I do love Breakfast at Tiffany's, but Mickey Rooney had no right to play Mr. Inuyoshi. There's a lot of those things that, like, I, I don't know. I'm a big, big proponent of intent doesn't negate impact. Right. So I think that um, it's very easy when something doesn't impact yourself to be like oh that's just a joke or that's just easy so I try and always like uh take myself out of my own shoes and be like man if that's hurtful like I'm with you fuck that thing right. like yeah. throw it away um but that doesn't mean that I think all things need to be yeah. dismissed or dismantled or I think that like you can look at things for what they are and and parse them out for their qualities yeah. within that and not just throw them away as a whole. No, absolutely. Also, I would say that um, even though it was made in 2009, I still feel like that character would probably still say that now. Totally. Like him as a person would probably say much worse things in reality. Especially in their small little town where things... Oh, yeah. Hell's yes. Kettle. Yeah, Devil's Kettle. What's the, Devil's what's the name Kettle? of the bar again they went to? I don't remember the sign burned down before I could look at it. 
moonlight something some kind of i don't know so (laughs) moonshine moonlight i live in pittsburgh pennsylvania um which is like a real city with real people and real things happening but you can go 40 minutes outside of town and feel like you're in devil's kettle like it is uh an experience and uh, i recently had to drive a robot to ohio and Mm. um you can't just say things like that iana you have to explain it okay (laughs) i have a I had to drive a robot because there is a robot repair place right in the dead center of Ohio. Devil's Um, Kettle, Ohio. Devil's Kettle, Ohio. You have to drive through four hours of farmland. There's nobody out there. It's absolutely fucking desolate. And I had to go drop off a robot for repair. I have to go back and pick it up soon. It's a four-hour drive there and a four-hour drive back. So it's a full day's work just to drop this robot off. But uh, on my way back, I stopped at a gas station and there was not one person with any sort of face covering or like social distancing. And um, also I saw that Chuck Norris is now selling artisan water. And it's called Sea Force, and I'm really upset that they don't sell it in Pittsburgh. So if you guys see that where you are, make sure you pick right. some up because it's. We're gonna keep track oh, of that. C four. C force. C force. Like like ch- like Chuck Force, the force. That's of Chuck. brilliant. Yeah, I want it, and I I bought my overpriced like other spring water, and then I was walking out the door, and I saw the display like a cardboard cutout of Chuck Norris at the door, and I was like, why is this not in the cooler? If I had known, obviously I would buy Chuck I Norris water. So over many Fiji. celebrities have either started podcasts, started YouTube channels, yes, but Chuck Norris was like, I'm gonna get me some of that water money. That's where it's at. He's like, I don't want those those communist podcasts. I want water. <laughs> Every bottle of water is guaranteed to have been punched by Chuck Norris. (laughs) I like to think that he takes the the glacial ice and just squeezes (laughs) it until it becomes the spring water that you're consuming. And you absorb some of his powers, I like to think. Oh, that would be brilliant. So on the topic of language uh, from from Jennifer's body, before this movie, Diablo Cody has Juno, which does sort of kind of like bounce this language into mainstream culture everyone's using the same kind of language as Juno I do think that there are some moments in Jennifer's body where she tries to get that again and it doesn't work as well like the one line I texted Tom about this when I watched it the one line where she's like it smells like Thai food in here were you guys fucking and I'm like wait hold on a second here I have so many more questions to this one question what does Thai food have to do with sex that's amazing because I watched this movie with my son. Um, so I watch, I let him watch m- most of the things I watch. Like the only thing that I try and limit his exposure to is things that contain sexual violence because like I think there's enough trauma in the world and he doesn't need to be exposed that's, to that yet. But say, yeah, that's, that's a good mom move. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And we certainly talk about it. It's not like I pretend like those things aren't there. I explain to him why I'm, I'm not permitting him to watch that the same reason like i don't care if he says certain things but there are other things that i say he he doesn't make enough money to have the privilege to say in my house but um but he was watching it with me and at that moment he said what does thai food have to do with sex and i was like i think it's just supposed to be rude i'm pretty sure it's just supposed to be like an offensive joke but it doesn't land with me like i don't even 
I don't, I don't think it get lands it. the same way a lot of her language did with Juno. And I think even yeah. with the direction of comedy in this movie, you know, she said that it started off, she wanted to make it just a straight horror film, but then the comedy kept appearing. So then she just went all out with it. And I think that's why the tone of the final scenes hit so much harder for me because mm. I think that she just needed some more time. Maybe she did take some time. I'm sure she edited it and went over several times. I think that there's something about the tone at the end of the movie where it's like, oh, I get it. This is what she's going for. This is hilarious. Whereas I feel like that tone and the relationship between the sisters and Ginger Snaps is just more fluid throughout the entire movie. I agree. I think the dynamic yeah. between the sisters and Ginger Snap, I think that was a choice too, right? They're biological sisters. And in this other dynamic, we have two best friends who sh seem to share some secrets who are close enough to be sisters, except for there's that sexual undertone where there's not that sexual tension between the sisters. And I think that those, just that dynamic change, like where you're still seeing the, the growth of two very close people who've known each other their whole lives who obviously there's all this backstory and context that we we see glimpses of but we don't get really deep into um that like just changing that one piece of the dynamic between the characters mm. sends them both in different directions and i i agree i think that it's it's more clearly outlined in ginger snaps than it than it feels it doesn't feel as consistently strong in jennifer's body no and i think to bounce off that point when because you're right, that sexual intone is in Jennifer's body, but because they're sisters, that's not there in Ginger Snaps. But what is there instead is almost this competition, like this sexual competition. Like, because the moment Bridget starts talking to the drug dealer boy, that's when Ginger early on is kind of like, he's just going to ruin you. Why are you doing this? Like, the attention's diverted away from her. And there's almost this, like, competitive nature that kicks in and Bridget still being Bridget's like I what do you want from me so I I experienced those dynamics a little differently and I think it's because um so so the two older um obviously played up to be more beautiful of both movies right we have one who yeah. I get more mature more mature more more sexually developed um in both films there's a clear hot girl and then there's the clear like friend you know stand by one you don't notice background character um i think they play it a little harder in ginger snaps i think like the yes. styling the the wig again there's an age difference because yes, they're sisters the wig. that wig is bad <laughs> you know i'm i'm the only one that didn't notice the wig i it's, noticed it immediately and i was like tom the wig and he's like what wig that there's there's but no like, hairline it's just yeah, like exactly oh, no. it's clunky it's clunky but also it's a weird choice because it's like was her hair just like so goddamn beautiful underneath there they were like there's no way we can mess this up we've got to get a wig on her it's the only option i did find out because you, courtney messaged me this morning she goes tom that wig and i'm like wait what wig? <laughs> <laughs> i looked it up and apparently when she got she did the casting for the movie and then got the role like way later mm. 
and she had already shaved her head for another one. Gotcha. Oh, that checks okay. out. So that's, that was yeah. honestly yeah. my guess because I was like, the only reason they would put that shitty of a wig on, but also like get a better wig. It's not that get hard. <laughs> like there are better wigs. You could have put a little more effort into that, but it wasn't important because the point was in her character, she's meant to be forgettable, physically forgettable, right? And Ginger is meant to be like, even before Ginger transforms, even before she gets her like her animal in instinct is awoken and she she they're both going through puberty but she's becoming a woman sooner um even before that she is the hot one and it's very 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 obvious what i perceived is as her sexual awakening is happening i perceived a little bit of like fear on the end of the in both circumstances both with jennifer and with ginger that as they were having this huge awakening there was like this overwhelming um euphoria and like excitement about this feeling but there was also some fear about moving away from childhood and it was resenting like the purity and innocence of the other girl Mm. that made them mean so it wasn't that it was competitive but more like a weird i'm growing away from you and i don't fully it feels scary and and so tearing down that other girl there's a lot of like toxic relationship undertones in both of these yeah Yeah. and i think having been a girl in toxic relationships maybe those jump out a little bit more to me i don't know for you courtney if you if you felt that No, I was going to say, I feel a little bit of both. I I agree with what Tom is saying, and I agree with what you're saying, is that, unfortunately, I think what Iana is saying, that that's actually what can sort of spark what Tom is saying. I think that they're both sort of inherent, is that because one is going in one direction and the other one isn't really there yet, the other one does sort of feel this protection for their innocence, but also at the same time, they kind of like being, some people can like being that one who is getting a little bit of the attention. And you can tell in the movies that once they do find their powers and they find their strength, they're really into it. Like, I think in different ways, Ginger does try to reason and rationale her decisions more so than Jennifer does. Um, But I, I think that what you guys are both saying, I think that it can be layered. I, I think that's oh, for also sure. part of it. Yeah. I agree. I think the the other difference there is Jennifer's character is pretty sexually confident from the jump. Um, she she knows she's beautiful. She walks through the school like she's beautiful. Like that's kind of clearly defined early on. Where Ginger's character, she's a weird Fitzgerald sister. She's a part of this like morbid duo. Yeah. Um, but she's the hot weird one. You know, right. if, if you right. had to sleep with one of them, you pick Ginger kind of thing. Like that's the conversation you hear around the school. Um, so I feel like Ginger's is more of like a full blossoming and awakening. And again, they depict her like getting her period for the first time. So that's like symbolic of becoming a woman, moving from childhood to adulthood as well. But um, but Jennifer's is interesting because she is like presented as this very like hypersexual being. She talks about having had anal sex like in the first I don't know twenty minutes know. of the movie and the like, way they describe it too. Yeah, I'm not even a backdoor. Not even a yeah. backdoor virgin. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she says it very casually, which I think 
personally, like, I love normalizing sex. I think that it's super important. And, like, I'm a huge proponent of talking about sex, frankly, and talking about it in, like, a non-shameful way. And I think people knowing what they want and asking for what they want is so important. And it's, like, the the thing that makes relationships healthy and not toxic is people are scared to talk about that kind of stuff. And then they end up in situations that make them uncomfortable or feel unsafe or they feel pressured into doing it. So, like, I love Mm -hmm. that about her. I love that she's overtly sexual. I love that she is like very clear about what she does sexually but then also she says something at the bar like oh I can't wait till I'm old enough to get wasted like she's shown that she can get alcohol at the bar she's shown that she can that she's sleeping with a cop like she's showing like these sides of maturity but then also like oh she's following the rules like she's still a little bit reserved and then as soon as she meets the lead singer of the band she's putty she's like she totally crumbles she she stumbles over her words like all of her coolness goes out the door and she's a little girl again and i think i think that was done really nicely i i thought they did a good job of showing that same kind of like distinction between little girl and woman not yet defined um i thought they did that in a much less like start stop way and in a Mm. much more true like sometimes you feel really confident and you feel like that powerful sexual being and then other times you're like oh my god i'm a child what am i doing how did i get in this situation i think that's exactly what happens between being at the bar and her getting in the truck with the guys because, you know, she starts off being like, yeah, whatever, it's cool. Like, we're going to be with these guys tonight. We're going to hang out with them. And that's because the bar is still a point of safety. Right. They're the strangers. They're entering her safe zone. There are multiple guys that she has had experiences with around her. And then as soon as she's in their tor- territory, suddenly she has a reason to be afraid. And that sort of scared little child comes out again and she's screaming for her best friend. Yeah. 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 You know, I was, I was going to say back to, to kind of throw it. I think the best way to do this is to kind of compare the two kind of as we go along. Mm-hmm. Cause I was thinking like, do we break it down each one then talk about it? I'm like, no, this is fine. Cause we're going down in the order anyway. Um, I remember there was a brilliant moment in ginger snaps cause going to before she became the werewolf, her and Bridget are leaving the school and ginger's like, talk, you know, just talking shit as she normally does. And that's when, what's his name? The dorky, dorky boy guy comes over and he's like, I think we should go out. And Ginger's like, oh. And then just walks away. <laughs> it's one of my favorite moments. Just like, oh. <laughs> it's like, no. The amount of catcalling on that field. I don't know what teacher would oh, accept that. What high school is it where the girls stand on the sidelines and smoke cigarettes in class? I was like, that... I could have played that sport. That was a sport I could have gotten yeah. behind. But, like, there's all these boys just hanging out to watch girls play hockey. And, like, I don't know. I didn't have a, a traditional high school high school experience. I went to a small private high school of 200 kids, 6th grade through 12th. So most of my classes had, like, five kids in them. Okay. This wow. was not my experience. And, and that was purposeful because I grew up watching a lot of movies and I was like, fuck that. I want nothing to do with it. It is trash. I will be violated. I will High not survive. High school is trash. High school is trash. I want nothing to do with it. And it's weird, which like I struggle with movies about teenagers, the ones that I connect to from this time versus the ones that I'm just like, can't do it. 
I think have a lot to do with that because I wasn't sure if that was real, but it's certainly heavily depicted in every movie I've ever seen. I think the smoking on the sideline, that just might be a part of living in Canada. <laughs> that's just Canadian life. Our, just Canadian life. Our version of that was they put in this ice cream machine at our high school. We still had a very small school, but it was a public school. So we had 200 in our class okay but that was still like the biggest graduating class that we had wow so when we would go to gym it was a morning class and we would if we didn't want to get dressed up we'd just be like oh i forgot my gym clothes today sorry i can't and then we would just leave go to the cafeteria in the morning and go get some firecrackers out of the ice cream vending machine and then the teacher would look at us and be like are you serious did you really just go get ice cream. And now I feel like as an adult and as an educator, and maybe you could say the same thing, the biggest problem would be that the kids went and got ice cream. The biggest problem would be that somehow they left the gym without the teacher knowing. Yeah, yeah. That would be the biggest security threat. Yo, when I, yeah. we didn't have gym. We had, we had a coach who got Crohn's disease. So we didn't have any oh. teacher for like a year. And so we used to just walk around the block of my school and smoke weed. That was our gym class. <laughs> so it's kind of similar to Ginger Snaps. Yeah, that's I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. We had a smoking yeah. lounge. We had a smoking lounge at our school. That's why I picked that high school. I was like, smoking lounge? I can smoke between classes? Hells yes. <laughs> yeah, our, actually, the high school, Mineola, had, used to have a smoking lounge that they converted into, um, they converted it to, like, the gardening shack. <laughs> what? Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're like, it's it's all changed now. It's completely different. But Mineola High School used to have a smoking lounge. And maybe it was there when Dave was there. Because I'm fairly certain if we ask Dave, hey, Dave, what was Mineola High School for you? He'll give you his ultimate dream fantasy, like, post-apocalyptic punk version of what Mineola High School was. <laughs> and it'll be, like, very different. Where Courtney and I will be like, oh, we had a senior lounge with a, with a, with a Wii. <laughs> yeah, oh I saw a ping pong ball on fire in the microwave. That, that's about yeah, it. That was... Wow. Yeah. Very, uh, I mean, that actually was similar. I remember we had, uh, we were allowed to leave for lunch because we didn't have a cafeteria. So yeah, we, we left for lunch and I remember our, our principal calling us all into our student lounge, which was just like four couches we had rescued out of the trash and some graffiti that some of the kids had done. And her being like, hey, guys, when you come back from lunch, can you, like, Febreze yourself and, like, pretend at least like you weren't <laughs> just out smoking weed the whole time? Because it's not a good look. Really, looking back on it, a lot of weed in high school. A lot of weed. That's an amazing conversation for an administrator to have with you, though, because it wasn't, you shouldn't be doing this. No. This is bad. It was just like, could you just have a little decorum when yeah. you enter the high school? Can you pretend like it's 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 still school and you're not coming back bloodshot eyes ripped out of your mind? Right. Yes, yes, we can. I think the next thing we should compare or talk about is the transform, the initial thing that happens, because it's, it's both, like, very traumatic but very different because mm -hmm. um, in ginger snaps we have they decide to pull a prank on the, the bully girl who well, she's she's really shitty. yeah she sucks but i mean she sucks. yeah she's she's real shitty but i also love that she's in love with the drug dealer like that's her one weakness is the whole time she's like oh give me attention and he's Did like you see his Bridget. hair tom he had incredible yeah. hair he did, and yeah, his jean That's jacket. So good. so good. His 
whole routine reminded me very much of Christian Slater and Heather's. Oh, yes. Right? That okay. is the character we are we are calling back to. Absolutely. Yeah. I got those vibes immediately. You know what the irony is that um, for Jennifer's body, Heather shows up as an influence. Oh, really? Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, so they're going to try to take the dog, this bully, I forgot her name. Her dog, I think it's like, to like Trisha yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Checks out. They're going to steal yeah. her dog and, you know, plant like a fake dead dog to be like, oh, her dog is dead because the town's been plagued by this wolf monster that's eating Mostly things. dogs, though. Mostly yeah. dogs. And then Ginger gets brutally, after she discovers she is having her first time of the month ever, and then the wolf attacks her. Talk about it, and Ben. It is, hey, thought, holy shit. Yeah. Your first period? It feels a lot like that, though. Oh, my it God. It feels a lot like you are being bitten by a werewolf. Ripped apart from the inside? Yeah. Yes. And then you're listening to everybody be like, no, it's normal. It's going to happen every month. This is becoming a woman. This is what you have to do. This is a rite of passage so that you can grow a human inside of you and then it can rip your innards out. So it's just like, <laughs> keep, just go with it. I remember being like, this is too much pain to be like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm and actually dying. Way- yeah, I love the way Mimi Rogers puts it. It's just like, you'll be doing this for the next 30 years of your life. Oh. She's so great. She's, She's so, so great. great. Her character, I loved her character top to bottom. This is mom from Ginger Snaps. And she is just like, she is so perfectly like wanting to do the right thing and connect with these girls, but just a little too aloof. She's just not getting it. She's not getting it. No. And it's a very, it's grotesque. But what's weird, what I love is that it was so horrifying and grotesque to watch. Not not the first time about the werewolf attack. Same thing. But then it's... Yeah. <laughs> which, if, for, for this episode, I was like, I should be the best I can be and read a bunch of uh, essays from the feminist perspective on this. <laughs> and I know that um, we have people, I think Barbara Creed wrote monstrous feminine and then even there was one by julia kristeva who did powers of horror and there's both this talk of the objectification which is kind of like the shunning of something and i know that menstruation is oftentimes used in horror as this betrayal of like the 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 bad and it's i think it's not i think it is deliberate not to comment on it in that way but in this movie where that's the trigger point where the werewolf attacks her after this thing I, happens i felt to like her also the time. the implication was that like her getting her period is what calls the werewolf to her he smells her blood yeah yeah so it's just it's it's like it's layered it's heavy it's a lot yeah. it's a lot of um we're we're commenting on a lot of different things in this one scene and they even call on it when she brings her back to their house where she's like, oh, I think bears can smell the mes- menstruation or something. And she's like, well, if that was a fucking bear, like, what the fuck was that? And, you know, they actually address yeah. that joke. Yeah. Which is a joke we've all heard, too. Yes. Every yeah. woman has heard, like, don't go camping when you're on your period. Don't go, don't get in the ocean when you're on your period. Like, these are things that you're told in full seriousness as yeah. a young girl like these are true dangers so your body will betray you really? and get you murdered absolutely yeah wow that's 
that's a song. Yeah, <laughs> I think about it often anytime uh, my roommates are watching The Walking Dead. I'm just like, nobody ever talks. Like, there's no female in the group surviving that is like, you guys, like, I got to go get tampons yeah. right now or else we're all screwed. We're all going down. Right. So it was it was refreshing to see these two movies actually mention it. Yeah. Both of them do. Yeah. Yeah. And then there is something that I, I highlight this line because it's one of my favorite lines in mm-hmm. the movie Ginger Snaps. It's when it's when Ginger starts to heal really fast. And this is following the scene with the with the with the what is it called? What are they called? Nurse at the school. And Bridget's like, something's wrong. Like more than you being female. Right. Yeah. And that's actually like the title of this article I read. <laughs> transgressive sexuality and discourses of reproduction in gender snaps i wanted to give credit to that that was written by bianca nielsen and that kind of goes over what we're talking about this parallel between the normally traditionally through the eyes of the male gaze there's this like almost horror element to natural female menstruation and you know femininity especially when it comes to sexuality like women being potentially sexually active is a threat to the male's Patriarch. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And also, something that I will say that one thing, and Courtney and I talked about this briefly, something that I like Ginger Snaps a little bit more is there can be the conversation of mental health as well. Because anytime Ginger acts out, everyone's just like, oh, she's just going through her hormones. It's just her time of the month. And it's like disregarding. And Bridget's like, no, there's more to this that nobody's addressing. I don't know. Right. I think that's very, uh, I, I mean, like, that feels like being a woman. Like, <laughs> every, I feel like any time as a woman, you're overly uh, excited, frustrated, anxious, like... Pe- emotional. Emotional. I, in, it's a in, big one. In professional settings, if you're assertive, like, it, every everything you do as a woman um, often is quantum like oh well it must be a hormonal thing oh is it that time of yeah. oh you must be under a lot of stress oh it's like things that would never be questioned when a man did them uh all of a sudden are like up for discussion like my body is up for discussion or my my emotional state is up for discussion because you observe me to be one way or another where people would never comment on that if if a guy in a meeting was like oh i just like have had these headaches oh are you on your period <laughs> like oh are you constipated like you would never say that to a guy but to a woman for some reason it's this because it's this universal connected thing like i don't know people feel some some invitation to comment on it yeah and like that's not an experience that i i have not experienced but i can only imagine like how annoying and awful it is that that's constantly like a point of almost delegitimizing a platform like whether you're stating your intent and you're being assertive and you're being reasonable or like in this case there's something clearly wrong with this girl and it's being delegitimized as like oh i mean the dad does it like, the dad the just wants great. nothing to fucking do with it. The dad <laughs> is exactly like, the role the dad needs to be. He's literally like, oh, uh, serious body changes? I want nothing to fucking do Sounds with it. Sounds like a mom problem. Yeah. I've also had situations where I was just expressing something, and, like, the it, we were writing an assignment where we were able to talk about beauty, and I actually talked about 
the beauty in my friendship with my best friend because we both lost a parent six months apart from each other and sort of the beauty in that connection, which is kind of similar to the connection that the two females have in both of these movies. It's this very almost symbiotic relationship. So I wrote about that experience and I felt like even just expressing something, I had a classmate, a male classmate say to me, oh, you're emotional right now. And it's like, I didn't know that for a writing assignment where we were supposed to write about something and express something, that I'm being emotional just for saying what's on my mind. Must have been on the rag, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I had a migraine or something. Meanwhile, a man being emotional can make him present. Well, yeah, right. a, man, a man being emotional, <laughs> we, we get all the, you get all the awards, you get all the accolades. Look yeah. at you being so raw and vulnerable, letting down your guard. Not to yeah. shit on, not to shit on all men. It's not your fault, Tom. We know you didn't invent patriarchy like you're you're not you're not uh responsible for all men everywhere but it's tough it's tough and i think that these movies both illustrate some of a a lot of these moments especially in uh becoming a woman a young woman i think they illustrate them differently similarly but well i think they they just like shine little lights on these things that as girls most I think all uh, all people who identify as female experience this at some point. I don't think it's limited to biologically born cisgendered females. I think that everybody mm-hmm. who identifies as female experiences this at some point in their identity. And it's right. it's it's you you kind of like learn to deal with it. You just kind of learn like you gotta brush it off and move forward because it's not gonna stop because you're offended right and it's like at some point you will be told how you are feeling instead of just feeling the feeling Mm -hmm. and I feel like in Mimi Rogers character you can see the embedded experience of that and how she handles the daughters is exactly that it's just years of her dealing with that so then she internalizes it and tries to be supportive but it really misses the mark totally yeah although at the end of the movie she has this beautiful yeah. redemption she, she yeah, her I, character like her character arc i was like yes i know that's the so mom good. we all needed burn it down let's go i know yeah, it's almost like without knowing it she knew yeah, yeah. Like, she didn't just, like, join the witch hunting party. She goes, okay, I'm going to fix this. I get it. You did something wrong, but I'm going to fix this. And it was a beautiful moment. And, Tom, you said something about how, like, a woman owning herself or a self-identifying woman owning herself and owning her identity is can be seen as, in, as a threat to the patriarchy or a threat to males in general. Yes. And... I've been thinking a lot about how, like, because I've been trying to find a way to, like, relate to these movies and what I like about them. And these conversations are definitely opening that all up for me. Um, But, like, in Jennifer's body, I feel like her transformation sequence is something that I can relate to in the sense that, like, it is an experience that is forced upon her. She is a part of a tragedy. And she decides to own it. And she makes that a part of herself. And when I was leaving my undergrad, I did 
the animated film of like a girl trapped inside a cameo frame she's forced into the situation that she doesn't want to be a part of and she turns into a monster and breaks out of it and it's like she would not be able to get out of it if it weren't for that ability to turn into a monster and i think that's what kind of glues my experience and what i admire in sort of female monsters even though like i get really scared at like really really gory haunted spooky movies uh that is what i love about like monstrous women or unladylike female characters is because that's something that we can relate to yeah but it is inherently taboo just in its right. nature which is the funny yeah. part is like you can't just, have that yeah well and just it's just the conversation about it like it makes so many people uncomfortable and as a monstrous woman like that's my favorite part like that's my favorite thing to do is like watch people squirm in the discomfort of my comfort you know what i mean like mm. the fact that i am comfortable being all those things makes them so uncomfortable and that like much like jennifer that fills me up yeah well there's that there's a scene that i love and i i, I had to rewatch and take note of it because Courtney, you texted me about it. It's the scene in Jennifer's body, the the juxtaposition between uh, Needy and her first time with her boyfriend, yeah. uh, young, young, young Neil. Neil. Yeah. Young Neil. <laughs> and then Jennifer eating the emo boy. Kyle Gallner. And Courtney, you texted me like, teenage sex scenes are awkward. They're so <laughs> awkward. I watch that with my kid and uh, I, <laughs> I say it all the time, but like, I actually, to me, I think it's really important. One of the things I'm trying really hard to do as a parent is like not make sex a taboo subject. So be sure. able to speak about yeah. it really frankly and like to watch it. Not that like I want to watch those scenes with him, but that we can watch those scenes together and it's not an issue that we don't have to comment on it. That if he has questions, he can ask me like the Thai food comment, mm -hmm. like we can yeah. have a conversation about it, but uh, we can joke about it, but it's not that sex is like a shameful thing that people like that shouldn't be discussed. Like it's, it creates an opportunity for me to not react and for it to create like just an environment where sex is a totally normal thing that happens even between teenagers and like yeah. if anything be like yeah look at them using condoms like that's that's, that's awesome true. yeah that's true yeah my favorite moment is when like young neil i'm just he gonna is call young, young neil. Only, i feel bad that's only fair yeah, yeah that's all he needs to be uh he because like there's an interesting dynamic where in this situation both girls are kind of playing a role, but ultimately you can kind of see there's a bit of control, but Needy is allowing him to guide, to, you know, satisfy, not that he's a bad character at all, but like he's a, what, 18-year-old kid? Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. 18-year-old baby, and boys, when they're young and dumb and they're not, like, assholes, anxiety is a huge For thing. sure. So she's, she's kind of playing that, like, role of, like, you, I'm, you know, we're going to work on this together. And it's just awkward and cute. And I remember he even makes a joke. He goes, I got these condoms and they're supposed to make it feel really good for the girl. And I was like, dude, I was, I remember buying those for the same <laughs> stupid reason. It's not stupid I remember though. It's not, it's su that's such a huge gesture, like being responsible for birth control first yeah, of all, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then picking something like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm trying to make it okay for you. 
That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't saying like the intention was stupid, but like, I believe there's a bit of a marketing play oh, sure. behind it. And I'm thinking like, as an adult who's had, you know, developed into a, a responsible, a man, I'm thinking back to my like 18 year old self going like, yeah, I definitely thought the same fucking thing. I definitely had that thought and I was like, I want to make sure this is good. I want to make sure it's good. I don't want to ruin it. But then, you know, compare that to that the same exact time. And it's a beautiful like edit where you see these happening in parallel where Jennifer is doing that, but she's doing it to seduce and lure this guy who's just as anxious and just as awkward. And she's like, yeah, and she's like, I'm going to eat. And he's like, yes, he's like, consent. Um, I, I thought the relationship between Needy and Chip was actually really lovely. And I, I like was surprised to watch it again and be like, yeah, I don't see anything overtly here that I'm like, ah, this dynamic is unhealthy. Like, I thought it was interesting that the way that they supported each other and the way like they had really good communication and they, they didn't really like have a lot of tropes. She had a friendship that took a lot of her time and a lot of her attention he was verbal about being like disappointed and frustrated with that but like no weird ownership over her time or like i thought i thought that that was like really interesting to see a young relationship be so respectful i don't think they're often depicted like that in movies that's well he was even concerned when he picked up on some of the more like abusive elements that jennifer starts to present that's a really good point because he's never like, well, why are you spending time with her and not me? You could be spending that time with me. But he's making it clear that he feels like she's just not a good friend to her. Right. She's not worth your time is kind of what he's saying. He's not saying I deserve your time. Your time should be devoted to me. He makes a couple statements about like, you know, oh, you're stealing like my girlfriend again. Yeah. 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 But it's not done in like a possessive way or like I... I deserve this. I'm, I'm owed this. It's very much like I care about you and I don't think she does. I don't think she's doing things that are in your best interest. And that's nice to see. I mean, that, that should be the expectation for any friendship, right? Like romantic or otherwise. Because in Ginger Snaps, there is not a single guy that, well, no. The janitor. The janitor's a nice guy. Yeah. There's the janitor. There's the drug dealer, which I mean, he says he wasn't trying to do anything, but, like, I'm thinking of the other boy from <laughs> Ginger Snaps who turns into a semi-werewolf. Oh, yeah, the the, the letter, Letterman jacket kid. I didn't, I didn't even bother yeah. to, like, catch any of their names. But I, I thought that for the same reason. I thought it was nice that, like, the dynamic between the drug dealer and um, the, the younger sister wasn't romantic. Um that's Although true, yeah. I'm sure people would probably say, like, it's because she's ugly. Like, he's not into her because she's not the hot one, you know? Like, I'm sure somebody might write it off that way. But I, I liked the idea that he being older, her being younger, their interest, like, coalesced over interest in the paranormal and, like, what was happening in this situation. And they had this traumatic experience on that same night. He was the one who hit the werewolf. Like, they had this moment together, but it didn't have to be then a romantic storyline i liked yeah. that it like could exist outside of that even though ginger couldn't believe that that was what was happening ginger was like clearly only boys only want you for sex like there's no right. way that this boy's interest in you is platonic or or sincere which is also what can happen after um a case of sexual trauma is yeah. that you start to see every guy 
or every other possible partner as they want this one thing and this is the only thing that they want. Of course, yeah. You know? That is true. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Well, and she's trying to protect her little sister, right? She, yeah, In that exactly. moment, yes. she's like, I had to experience this trauma and it, I can't do anything about that, but I want to protect you from it. So if the way to do that is to throw myself to this boy, I'm going to throw myself in front of this moving train, this moving accident, because I want to protect you from it. And maybe there's some jealousy there. Maybe it's why is she having this relationship outside of me? Um, also, And the- also, it could be kind of like, why can she have this relationship with a guy and it be strictly platonic? and. Right. Like, that can't be possible. He must want to have sex with somebody. Oh, that's a good point. Because yeah. then she tries to, because we get to the end of the movie, and that's what she does. She tries to have sex with yeah, him. Yeah, she tries to seduce she tries him. To, she tries to ruin the image of him for her to sister. To prove to her sister that he, see, I told you, he's only in yeah. it for this. Again, sa- same thing happens in Jennifer's body, right? Like, they mm. similar, like, I told you he wasn't a good boyfriend. I told you he, he hadn't done anything for Jennifer to sully his image with, so she has to manufacture a scenario to show, see, see, look what he did. And similarly in both movies, the, yeah. that guy dies. <laughs> Unfortunately, young I'm sorry, gonna die. Who didn't watch it? But I told you to watch it. But but will he be forever young? He'll be resurrected in Canada. It's okay. I <laughs> hope that actually, like in his forties, people could still see him on the street and call him Young Neil. I absolutely would. Yes, without a doubt. Like absolutely, that would happen. But you bring up this thing, and I talked to Tom about this earlier, um, that Jennifer did kind of present this situation to Needy to point out that her boyfriend wasn't actually that great of a guy. But I feel like whereas Ginger had a lot more reasons and a lot more rationale and trying to explain to her sister, it's okay that I did this because they were going to find out I had to kill them. It was a secret. Or like they were attacking me or they were going to attack you. I feel like Jennifer's body has a little bit more of this, like, stone-cold Jaws feel to the way that she kills her prey. Yeah. Because she's more just like, I need this to sustain me. Mm -hmm. That's it. And even when she's in the water and she's, like, approaching Needy and young Neil, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like Jaws. Like, she's just a straight-up predator. And she She is a predator. Yeah. Yeah. And that is her only focus. And I think that's pretty clear. Like um, the the motivation behind them is very different. Her motivation is self-satisfaction. Jennifer's motivation is like self-fulfillment, yeah. self-satisfaction, her, her feeling that euphoria and getting that high and getting that experience. Cause she describes it. She's like, there's nothing else like it. Look how powerful I am. It's incredible. I'm so beautiful. My hair's so bouncy. Like it's all these things that are important to her. At what cost? At the cost of needy? So what? She doesn't care. Needy is needy is a space filler and a standby. And she's she articulates it over and over again. You'll you're never gonna be as pretty as me. Is that what it's like to be a normal looking girl? And uh, I mean, come on. I that's one thing I hate in movies when we take beautiful girls and we backcomb their hair lightly and then give them a pair glasses. of slightly too small glasses I said that to my son he was like she's really pretty and I was like no she can't be pretty she has glasses like girls with glasses can't be pretty in movies it's a rule because until she dramatically removes her glasses and shakes her ponytail down and we all go that beautiful girl was hidden beneath those horrible glasses all along we can now respect her and treat her as the woman she deserves to be until she's chloe 
in that movie where she fucks both Liam Neeson and Julianne Moore in the same bed. What movie is that? Have you not heard of this? Okay, I need both of you to check out this movie. It's called Chloe. Okay. And I don't even know, like, what her relation is to the couple. They, like, meet her. Oh, now I know. Okay. So Julianne Moore thinks that her husband is cheating on her. So she sends a prostitute, um, Amanda Seyfried, to seduce him. But then... Newsflash, she does. It works. And then somehow Amanda Seyfried gets into bed with Julianne Moore. Like, she convinces her to sleep with her, too. And then it's sort of like, who's duping who? Who's screwing over who? They're all assholes because they're all not communicating with each other. Except for Amanda, because she's getting paid twice, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's getting it. (laughs) She's getting laid and getting paid. So I think Amanda wins. It's a very strange movie. (laughs) I've never seen it, but yeah, I yeah, they it focus up. solely. Yeah. The advertising focuses solely on how big Amanda Seyfried can make her eyes, and that's they're about real it. big. Like, they're real big. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a she's a yeah. beautiful girl. She's a she's really gorgeous. beautiful girl. All the girls in these movies are beautiful. I mean, right. I guess that's kind of the nature of Hollywood, right? It kind of goes without saying. Like, but lead actors in these movies were surprisingly good looking. No, right. they're all, they're all gorgeous. Like, Courtney, to comment what you were saying, because, like, there is that difference. And I think that might feed to this, the gender snaps element, maybe tracking a little bit more with mental illness, because they make it cut and dry. This, in Jennifer's body, it's a cult. She's a succubus. She feeds to sustain. And there is that really, you put it perfectly, Jaws sort of element. Like, it is watching a shark at work. Whereas Ginger snaps, she's battling back and forth between this assertive nature and aggression and then fear and hesitation and she's justifying everything and it could be like there really could be a little bit of that like there's something else going on here mentally that's just not being addressed and taken care of because that is like this battle back and forth and she does things out of spite like she wasn't going to even eat the drug dealer yeah she just wanted to seduce him to be like see boy bad Right. Whereas Jennifer knew from the moment she kissed him, she's like, I'm going to eat this boy. Oh, yeah. That that was her intent. Uh, Jennifer's purpose was always to eat. That neck looks extra snacky. Yeah, big veins. I do love that both of the styles and Courtney, this is probably not your favorite part, but I do love that the way both of these girls kill is extra brutal. Like, uh, personally for me, that like gives it all the bonus points yeah. because I love like so often in um in horror but also just in like true crime in general women are tidy killers women are poisoners women are like secret slow killers oh that's they, such a good point they use a handgun they use po- like that it, traditionally a woman's style of killing is like very tidy and put together um but i love that both of these characters i think it's what i like about werewolf movies in general i'm a huge werewolf is like my favorite like classic monster um i for that reason i just love like the visceral like we're not making any excuses about this behavior like it's true carnage and so these beautiful girls these beautiful girls literally like tearing their victims limb from limb i think they say in jennifer's body one of the victims looked like lasagna with teeth oh yeah and i was like that's such a great visual but and they they do show a lot of it they show a lot of the um 
the actual eating Jennifer's transformation where her jaw kind of detaches is, is I think, I think it's successful. I think it's really good. Ooh, I'm, yeah. I'm a huge, huge sucker for practical effects. So like, especially yeah, in yeah. the early two thousands, like any, any kind of computer generated effects when they weren't as smooth, I'm less enthusiastic about, but I think this is successful. And I think that, um, demon possessions, a tricky, a tricky one to depict in an original way. Um, and, and I think, I think it, I think they did a lot of really interesting yeah. things from, from the horror component. Yeah. And like, another thing to add to the brutality of it, cause you're right. Traditionally speaking in true crime and even in movies, when there's a woman killer, it's usually like poison, you know, very neat or even like in like a film noir like the femme fatale it's a handgun i'm just thinking of um, tiny little cell gun. block tango from chicago where they all just describe the little yeah. tiny ways that they killed their men and tiny feminine ways they meanwhile yes. yeah especially in the 80s with the slasher genre like women being typically the villain uh, not the vil- being the victims until the final girl oh, yeah. brutality final girl. is just written all over it like oh yeah but because women are meant to be brutalized. Yeah. That's that's the role they play in film. Yeah, they're victims. Like, and these are movies that I love, but I can look at and, like, with a certain discourse, understand, like, the the time which these movies are made and, you know, having, you know, disconnect from that. But, like, I think there's that brilliant commentary in these two movies that, that in return, now these female monsters are going to be utterly destroying <laughs> these male victims. Because it's not playing to the trope of like, you know, the tidy, the neat, and the clean. It's like, no, they, I mean, a werewolf in particular, like, Jesus Christ. I love that puppet animatronic they use. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, a pretty yeah. looking werewolf. It is gross. Yeah. It is uncomfortable to it's look at. It's so gross. It's almost slick. Yeah, slimy is good. I like I like when they go like patchy hair. I feel like patchy yeah. hair is way more disturbing than like full hair, but I think that's because it's a woman. I think like even when they sh- depict her like getting hair in her wound and stuff, like ew, a woman having body hair is yeah. so gross. It's such a gross thing. Um I didn't I really don't like the prosthetic they give her um when when Ginger goes through the her tail. transformation. Oh, I love the tail. Honest no, I I love the tail. That honestly is like one of my favorite things. Her little waggy tail in her panties. Like they're trying to have like the sexy panty tube sock scene, which they do in Jennifer's body as well. But she's got a fucking tail (laughs) peeking out of her briefs and I love it. And them taping it to her leg for gym class. Like that I loved. What I didn't love was the forehead prosthetic. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just too stiff. It didn't have any movement. And to me it read more like, vampire from Buffy the TV show yes we were gonna yes. say Buffy yeah. yeah and I know that was the vibe right then that was like what everybody was right. really into so I get that it was of its time but like I I didn't love that I thought that could have been better that's fair I was able to handle the blood a little bit better in Jennifer's body because they don't really show you it until it's very clearly like it's fake. That's not really Kyle Gallner's body. That's just like a fake that they made for the set. That was a little bit, I was able to handle that a little bit better. For me, the thing is, is that like, because I'm an artist and I'm like a very visual person and I have very detailed dreams. 
those things will come back eventually. I can't just watch a horror movie and be like, ah, okay, now I'm gonna go eat lunch or something. So I like to, you know, semi-distract myself. So that's how I watched Ginger Snaps today. I had like work open on the computer, but then the one window had Ginger Snaps and I was like, oh, somebody's getting hurt, okay. It's so <laughs> funny like how different the experience is because like I sleep to forensic files. Like I, on the other hand, <laughs> find these things soothing. Like I, the way I process my That's trauma amazing, like for me the way I process yeah. my trauma is like I I like I can't be scared of it if I'm staring at it you know what I mean like it can't mm. it can't hurt me mm. if I'm always aware of it and watching it and know about it and I I um I'm sure a, a psychiatrist could have like a real heyday trying to pick apart like all of my trauma you just compare yeah. the two of us well but it's but it's interesting right like how how it manifests so differently and then for me like strong female leads like my favorite genre i'm a big fan of exploitation films and like within mm -hmm. exploitation grindhouse films um revenge movies are my everything Huge. um i can't get enough of them and i'm always like i i wish that there were more movies with just like female like destroyers but without like a tragic backstory. You know what I mean? Like I just want oh, like a, a warrior. Like just this yeah. woman. So not Game of Thrones. I actually have never seen Game of Thrones. I'm like one of the Thank few you. people who have completely uh managed to bypass that series because I don't have television. But you know what it is like with Game of Thrones? Cause I, I have coworkers who listen and they've tried and they and they love Game of Thrones and they tried to get me to watch it, and I committed to one season, yeah. and I watched the whole season, and I don't know, it just didn't sell me. Yeah. Like it's, and it's weird because, like, like you're saying, like I love horror, I love a lot of these films, and I agree with you. I would love to see a more women leading like brutality figures yeah. without necessarily oh, because it's a lot of these revenge movies. Like we could think of like I spit on your grave, sure. you know, or something like that. Like the 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 revenge aspect is the best part, but it's sometimes we don't always want to watch the the reason it's happening. Sure, I mean they're t they're traditionally called rape revenge movies. They're they're generally yeah. referred to as that within the genre because oh ninety nine percent of the time the first piece of the story is this tragic horrible yeah. situation which the woman has to rise out of and i understand like from a from a story writing perspective i understand like that makes a much more interesting engaging tale but i i feel like there are plenty of stories about men who are just like bad and i think i mean think about dexter dexter's yeah. just a guy that murders and it's like yes he yeah. does but they try and make dexter good they try and make him altruistic and they try and make him like only killing the bad guys and that pisses me off about that storyline yeah or maybe do you think, because you brought up that it's a form of visual storytelling that we have to have, like, a tragic backstory, and that's why a female would do that. Is it more likely that if you have a female-led story where she is brutal, that we need that tragic backstory to Oh, yeah, like that's 100% that's what it is. That's the problem, that's yeah. That's yeah. what it is, because if we have an outright, overtly badass, like, un for like, just doesn't give a fuck, kills and 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 you know mafia style like running shit she'll just be unlikable and nobody will buy into it 
people will just be like, oh, she's a bitch. And they'll write it off. Nobody will be like, oh, this is great storytelling. When people talk about like right. what a great movie Scarface is, I'm always like, please, like, let's not have this conversation. I, I'm one of those few people <laughs> yeah. that don't like, I grew up with it because it was like, it came out on DVD. It was definitely like the gangster movie. Everyone talked sure. about it. Re- definitely represented like macho, toxic masculinity. Of and even in a weird perspective, when I think about it now, I thought about this literally recently. I'm like, isn't this movie about how foreigners are bad? Like in a weird way, because it's kind of what it's saying. Like it's a cautionary tale. We let we let too many Cubans in this country, and now we have a bad one. Like, we let the the power get out of check. There's so many things about that movie j- that are just like ugh for me. But people always yeah. use it when they talk about like important movies in in cinematic history, you know. And and it's one for me that I'm just like ugh. But imagine a storyline like that with a with a female lead, right? Right. Do, would anybody watch it? Absolutely yeah, not. I- I would buy a ticket to that. Yes, I, think, I would too. Oh, now is the time. Now is the time. Let's do yeah. it now. Let's make yeah. this movie, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> you know who slays in Scarface, though? I haven't seen it, but I just love like the costumes and the decor and everything, yeah. the aesthetic. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Sh- that's, yeah. They're, she's great, but she her, her yeah. role right. is pretty, like, you know, right. she's, she's, yeah. She could be replaced with anybody. She looks great. It's great costuming, that's but true. like she's not. That's she's true. just not that important to the storyline. So that's how I feel about Kirsten Dunst as Claire in Elizabethtown. Oh man! So yeah, we did, and they aren't out. If the first one's out today, oh nice. But we did the Manic yeah. Pixie Dream Girl series, and it starts with Garden State, and we run through uh, Eternal Sunshine, um, Elizabethtown. Elizabeth Five Hundred Days of Summer and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was a fun time. I because I've never watched. My only movie I watched was Scott Pilgrim. Oh wow! Yeah, so now I got actually no, that's not true. I watched Five Hundred Days of Summer and didn't like it. What? <laughs> I haven't seen what? that one. It's interesting. And uh, yeah, we we pick it yeah, apart quite. I'll a check bit. it out. So I like Kirsten Dunst, but she in Elizabethtown, um. She's a not person. Yeah. But then neither is Orlando Baylor. The character's name in the movie is Baylor, but it's played by Orlando Bloom. So I just combine the names I love it. because it might. Yeah. I do that stuff all the time. Although he makes a murder bike in the movie. Murder bike. I like that. Yeah. And it fails on He does make a murder bike. He yeah. makes a murder bike. So. The, actually, this is a good place to mention. So, like, you had mentioned that, like, Michelle Pfeiffer's role could have been played by anybody. And we're saying that Kirsten Dunst's role could have been played by anybody. What do you guys think of the potential reality where Blake Lively was supposed to be Jennifer? Interesting. Mm. Uh, I don't think it would have, it, w- it wouldn't have been the same movie. I don't think that she has the overt, um, like, sexual confidence that Megan Fox has um I personally love Megan Fox I think she's a great actor who has her beauty held against her I think that Mm -hmm. I think that people write her off as just a pretty face because she's extremely beautiful which is so fucked up because it's like all we ask of women is to be beautiful and then here she is this like magnificent creature and then we're like well we can't take you seriously as an actor because you're so beautiful and it's like what do you want from these people like have you seen her in the new girl I have not. 
Okay, I actually really like her in that because although she's supposed to be beautiful in it, like she's a sexy pharmaceutical rep, which I think actually kind of works for her appearance. Yeah. Um, she's actually really good in it. I really like her in it. I think she's much more talented than people give her credit for. And I think her career has been impacted by her beauty in a in a really unfortunate, tragic way that like is so unfair. But I think even yeah. in this role, I think that she's so strong. And I think that she she plays I, I think she hits all the marks. Like I think she does it really successfully. So I really like her in this. I I think I'm on the same page. I can I can only think of it this way. Like with both movies, I can't picture either roles flipped, like whatsoever. No, right. No, and I think it's interesting too because um, so uh, the girl who plays Ginger, she went on to play American Mary, which mm-hmm. I hate that movie. I know everybody loves that movie, yeah. but I think it's garbage and I hate it. Um, I actually haven't seen it. It's it's. <sighs> I, I don't know why people love it. She she's she's a female Dexter essentially in that movie. Like mm. kind of it, she she performs like uh plastic surgery and I I I I won't try and give a synopsis of it because I disliked it so much that like mm-hmm. I probably won't do it any justice, but um I, I think she captures ginger like effortlessly i think again she's like a very beautiful girl like a strikingly beautiful girl um i think that the 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 beauty like bar between those two sisters feels a little bit stronger um yeah i think that like they did a much more clear like pretty i said this before but like the pretty one and the not pretty one i think they they went a little harder with the costuming on that but i think the actor as actors i think they're very successful in the roles oh yeah and speaking of she's uh she's gonna come up in another movie we're covering soon courtney <laughs> that's right freddy versus jason we're doing another one freddy of these. Jason. Freddy versus oh man yeah. how are you gonna make it courtney <laughs> so the funny thing is is like it really depends on what what is happening yeah. in it like I was I was trying to explain to my boyfriend because I had told him like we're going to cover some horror movies and he's like I've been with you since high school and you refuse to watch horror movies and now that you have a <laughs> podcast now you're like oh yeah sure I'm just going to watch these movies the thing is is like I can handle some cheesy gore like yeah. Jennifer's body or I'm sure Freddy's versus J- Freddy versus Jason uh, is pretty be silly yeah okay I cannot handle things like Insidious the okay. ring like things that are very much on like the yeah. occult and like the jump scares. What's that one with the kid where like his organs are like floating out of his mouth? I'm... It's like the cabin uh, in the okay. woods yeah, or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. No, thank okay. you. Fair no, enough. Thank you. Listen, I think the beauty of film is that there's plenty of different options for everybody and nobody should be forced to watch the things they don't want to watch my kid um because he lives in this like very horror centric household he when we aren't with him he watches wholesome family comedies that's like his that that's like <laughs> oh, the, we his trash out. consumption is like we have to have separate accounts on all the platforms because i was like if I see an Adam Sandler movie recommended on my fucking feed, you're grounded. Like I don't, I don't want to see that shit. That's fair. That's awesome. If, 
You better be watching The Omen <laughs> and not Fifty First Dates, or I oh swear my God, to God. When he comes to me with these like romantic family comedies, I'm just like, dude, you got the wrong guy. I talk to anybody else in the world, I cannot stomach it. But yeah, we watched um, we watched a horror movie. We were just talking about it. I can't remember. It. Well, it's not really a horror movie. Oh, it's yes, a mockumentary. I love it. Um, did you ever hear of um, Ghost Watch? Oh yeah, we did Watch? an episode about Ghost Watch. Yes, yeah, yes. I love Ghost okay. Watch. So like first half of the movie, I'm doing great, and then once it's like, oh, this is real, or like things are starting to happen, and the little girl has this like deep, scary voice, I'm like already just like crouched up. <laughs> In my chair, I need to be like checking oh, my phone, man. and I need to know what's going to happen. I love Ghostwatch. It yeah. used to be on Shutter, but now it's gone. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta watch that stuff. They transition through pretty quickly. Yeah. And what I love about Ghostwatch, I mean, I know we're going on a tangent. But I think <laughs> I'll finish my tangent. It's so much fun <laughs> to have a guest. I'll here. do my tangent, then I think we'll end on like our preferred favorite, and if they hold up today, and then we'll wrap it because I know it's late. We kind of went over. Oh, and also, um, we started a little thing that we do every week where it's like weekly obsessions with something that you've just been craving this past week, something. It could be anything. It could be sleep. It could be a snack. It could be music or a movie. That's fair. I have an easy one. I have one also. So, Tom. My weekly obsession? Uh, The Cramps. Oh. I've been listening to a lot of The Cramp, uh, Human Fly and Goo Goo Muck. Nice. And uh, I was a teenage werewolf, oh, yeah. my favorite. Uh, and werewolves. I'm going to say werewolves. Like, I was texting Courtney. I'm like, werewolves need a comeback. They're not gone. Yeah. They're oh, not yeah. gone. They're there. <laughs> They're there. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, zombies are, as much as everyone's sick of zombies, we're still in the middle of, like, everything's about zombies. How many Resident Evil remakes are we going to get? I mean, I love that series. I can't shit off, but, <laughs> no. but like now that Resident Evil 8's like we got werewolves in it. I'm like werewolves. You got. We need more. Werewolves. I like wear anything. Wear any creature. You can make anything a wear animal. I'm into it. Night of the Lepus. Come on, watch out. Oh, Night of Lepus. Wear rabbits. Yeah, watch out. So, yeah. Oh boy. According to me, what are you obsessing with right now? Um. You know, I thought I had an answer for this, and now I'm not so sure. I'm going to say Earl Grey tea. Nice. I only drink tea, Courtney. I'm like a, a pretty devout yes. tea drinker. So if, if you I ever want to talk tea, I spend way too much of my monthly income on it. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> uh, I have an unhealthy uh, energy drink consumption problem. Oh man, you gotta be careful with those, man. They're not good for your heart. No. <laughs> So what is your weekly obsession right now? Oh, man. So I am uh, on day 11 of a 20-day stretch with no days off. Uh, I work in a weird industry of creative technology and experiential design, and we have been re-strategizing and reinventing what we do in the age of not touching because we build physical things in the real world and that is very different right now so we are doing a um, video shoot um using the robot i mentioned earlier oh and uh we've been building these very elaborate sets and uh i've been doing the propping and set dressing for these sets so i i have been working 12 hour days for 
11 days straight. So I am just really, really, really holding my breath and looking forward to a break. So that's my obsession is like blinders Aww. and then a break. Yeah, God bless. Thank you. <laughs> the truest yeah. obsession. Yeah. I'm sleeping okay. Like I'm getting enough sleep every that's night. Good. I'm a really professional sleeper. Like I should get paid for how well I sleep. <laughs> but um, I, I just like... I think it just wears on you day after day after day with no end in sight. So, and my, I had like yeah. a crazy week last week where all kinds of insane things happened, including my pride flag was stolen off my house. Really? Yeah, no. it was crazy. Like I have had the most bizarre, like, and the fact that there's no start and stop to my days is just like, my head is like spinning with everything that's going on. So thank you for this fun opportunity to uh, talk about movies and watch two movies that I needed to rewatch anyway. So I appreciate that. No, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, yeah. Before we wrap, um, was there anything anybody else wanted to say that they wanted to no they took note of? regarding these two movies, I feel very content. We talked about a lot. We compared, we kind of went over it without going over every like plot element. Yeah. I've got two things. Yes. Uh, one, Tom, you wanted to finish your ghost watch. Oh, right? oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Secondly, this is real quick. I, I really want Jennifer's body to have a sequel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause, and I really hope in this day and age that it could happen. It could. Because they said that they were going to make one. The movie didn't make enough money. It's, that's a movie that I was just like, this needs a sequel. I need to know what happens to Demon Amanda. Yeah. If we at if we at Shudder, yeah. maybe they'll do it. Maybe you just need to add Diablo Cody. Oh, true. True. Yeah. So the rest of my Ghost Watch rant. <laughs> I love that movie, and especially because I work in news. Okay. So there's a lot of things that hit very like that are very real. Like you, I'm watching it. Like obviously, the technology is incredibly different. That's all analog, yeah. pre, you know, way pre digital. But just how like the studio looks, the setup, everything like that, it gets to a really eerie level when like the supernatural yes, starts to happen. Like just the, it's such a minute detail, but it's played subtly all throughout. Just when the cats randomly meow, and then you realize why the cats are meowing. It's like holy. Oh, yeah. it's way more thoughtful than it appears at first blush like it, it yeah. it's pretty easy to dismiss when you watch it the first time like oh it's a found footage like supernatural movie um it's not found footage but it's like a mockumentary style yeah, yeah, like yeah. this is real i i'm i personally love it when there's any like illusion of reality like i love to turn that part of my brain off and be like yes yes it's real it's real i'm watching a haunting it's happening right in front of me our show actually covered, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Blackwell Ghost series. Um, no. It's on Amazon. Um, I have mixed opinions about it. We went hard. We watched all four <laughs> movies. Um, yeah, there's oh, four. Wow. Uh, because we were talking so much shit, one of our listeners kept buying us Amazon gift cards to keep watching the next one. And we were oh like, my son God. of a That's bitch. amazing. So they forced us to go through the whole series. But the writer, director, and like the only actor in any of these movies um, 
has been following us and and commenting on our feedback so it's been i'm trying to be more thoughtful because he's been really nice and we have not been nice and we were like really nasty about who he was as a person we came for his wife like we really were like yeah we were really nasty about it because we were pissed about these movies but it started because one of my cohorts andy she watched the first one and she thought it was real and she got like almost through it and then found out that it wasn't and felt bamboozled and was real mad she was she was betrayed so like then it was like fire and venom from that point on but if you like that style um that's a more recent one that a lot of a lot of people really 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 like it my personal struggles with it are the things that I think Ghostwatch did really successfully. So, okay. So putting mm-hmm. like That's all fair. that time between, cause that came out, uh, the Blackwell Ghost series has come out over the last year, two years, something like that. So it's very, very new compared to mm. Blackwell Ghost is like what? Early eighties. Yeah. Oh, Ghostwatch. Or Ghostwatch. Yeah, sorry. Like sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. It's the early nineties and it, it, it's, aired on bbc yeah. not as a movie but as a legitimate news broadcast yeah like war of the worlds cool. i love yeah. that i love that they can't do that stuff anymore no they no they can't. can't too many people will yeah. think it's real and too much fake but, like, news how are you supposed to tell the difference <laughs> exactly so with all that i would like to offer the opinion and final comments to everybody which one did you guys prefer and would it stand today or did both stand today? Because that, that that that's fair as well. Who's gonna go first? I think the guest should go first. Yes, give us your opinions. Okay, so I think that they both hold up. I think that they are exactly what they are meant to be. I think they um, aren't trying to be anything other than what they are. Trying to be bigger, grander, more of anything than they are. Um, I think that I prefer Jennifer's body. Um, mm, okay. And I'm not sure why. It may just be because I saw, I did see it before I saw Ginger Snaps. So oh, really? I think that impacted it. And I think sometimes when you, uh, whichever one you perceive to be first in your mind, like gets, it, it, there's that unconscious bias of like, this yeah. is the first one, regardless of when it actually came out. Um, but I I think as an overtly sexual person myself, I think that I really, really liked a character that didn't make apologies for her sexuality. And mm, okay. um, it's weaponized against women all the time. And I love that idea of taking that back and then using it as a weapon yourself. So I think that that is the part of the character because like, Obviously, I've gone through the transformation of becoming a woman. I've gone through the transformation of becoming a mother. um, And they are big, momentous, like, ticks in my history. Um, But I think coming to terms and, like, shedding the shame and embarrassment around sexuality has been really important for me and only something that I've gotten really comfortable with in the last 10 years, maybe. And so I think that... Just seeing a woman depicted in that way, although she is meant to be a monster and she's very clearly like not a good guy, I think I I saw parts of just that piece of her 
that I really was excited to see in in film. So that's awesome. That's a really good point. Like I do love a good villain who just loves being exactly exactly i don't need her to be pure of heart i don't need that counterbalance of sweetness (laughs) i want her as terrible and 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 bad as she can be but i also do appreciate that sometimes in movies we try and make villains villains and good people good people i like that in this story both her and needy like nobody nobody's all good or all bad like everybody has their lines and their limits how they're pushed i think that's a little more true to what humans are actually like and um i don't know i just i i think that that's the piece of it that there ginger snaps had a lot of things that i i loved and i that's why i say i i think it holds up as well but like her that specific piece of like her sexuality it was less certain. It was less sure. It mm. was more like trepidatious. It was figuring it out. It was trying it out. Um, so I think for that reason, I just, I'm, I'm putting my hat in Jennifer's body spring. Totally fair. Yeah. Nice. Tom, what about you? I think maybe, and I think the bias does work for me. To, it, it is going to allude to my decision. I think it's going to go to Ginger Snaps for me because I saw it at like a growing age and it stuck with me forever since. I also love the, the aesthetic of it more, like that Halloween party. How awesome is that Halloween party? Uh, even the opening scene, the photos of their suicides oh in the opening, like that, I yeah. will say, hands down, like that is my favorite part of both movies. Yeah. And then like, I'm talking almost purely aesthetics at the moment, but like the opening shots where you see this like farm town like this open plain field brings me back to like one of my other favorite movies halloween 4 where that just that weird opening is just like a cornfield and like a pumpkin and it's like creepy and eerie and like the sense of something is coming and that's what i loved about it but uh with ginger snaps i just i really felt for these two characters more and i almost i mean i'm a guy so it's i I can't necessarily say like oh i empathize 100 percent with that experience but as a character, I feel like I related a lot more to Bridget. And I was going to say, you could still relate. Yeah, for yeah sure, absolutely. For sure. yeah. Like this idea and notion that just because if you make a protagonist a woman or a girl that men can't identify with, it's like I, I, Ellie is one of the greatest video game characters of all time from The Last of Us. But it's like, um, so Ginger Snaps has always resonated with me more. And I think the bias of seeing it first and not only seeing it first, but seeing it years ago and rewatching it twice and being like, wow, this is still really good. Because yeah. I was a fear. I was afraid of it being bad. <laughs> like I was like, oh, no, this might be bad. I'm like, no, it's really good. I did really like and I'll say I love Jennifer's Body. It was a fun movie. It was a great time. I loved watching it and I'm going to watch it again. But it's just I think that bias and also just the aesthetic choices. I'm going to, like, if I have to pick between one of the two for, like, a Halloween watch, I'm going for Ginger Snaps. That's fair. For Halloween, I support that decision. I agree. It's fair. definitely a better Halloween movie. Yeah, it's more Halloween-centric, Absolutely. for sure. Courtney, what about you? So, I have been listening to both of your responses, and I think that they're really great. I think that, based on when I was texting Tom while I was watching Ginger Snaps, the things that I wasn't sure about with Jennifer's body, I feel like Ginger Snaps hit perfectly. Mm. So I think for that reason, I'm going to say Ginger Snaps. 
but I do love the sort of aughts colors of Jennifer's body. I do like the overall like aughts aesthetic of that movie. And I, I do love that scene where she's floating and young Neil is like, she can fly now. And then they start arguing. They start bickering with each other. Like, God, you have to undermine everything I do. Like that scene it's is perfect. perfect. Yeah, It's perfect. Um, And I think also like, I think what doesn't age well in that movie is just like, like the attempted jokes I mentioned with the Diablo Cody, where it's like, okay, you know what? You tried something, you tried to make it mainstream like you did with your previous movie. It did not work. That's understandable. But what else is more 2000s based than an indie band trying to sacrifice a virgin to Satan to make them as cool as the guy from Maroon 5? I, that line, I was like, and little did they know he was just going to get yeah. big. This is before his proactive campaign. This is before The Voice. Like that, that I thought that is such a perfect time capsule. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. Yeah, I remember he used to be on like I Love the 90s and I Love the 2000s and he looked like a total nerd. Like what you would associate totally. with a nerd. He had this like frizzy curly hair and the glasses. He would wear a hoodie. And then in a previous episode we brought up Maroon 5 before where, at, where Tom mentions that Adam Levine needs to meditate for 40 minutes before making love to his partner and it's like of course he's of that course guy he's now. that guy of course, let's be honest though this is the point yeah we're at. let's be honest though the only thing that physically got cooler about him is he has good tattoos and a hard body other than that he's still that he's still that nerd yeah yeah he's still like He's a little too scrawny for, like, my tasting in guys. Like, I don't find him attractive just because, like, he's always shirtless. And he's, like, you're right. Like, it's very hard. And it's, like, for me, a little too skinny. But, like, yes, there is something there that people are, like, Dang. I don't find him attractive because he's in a band called Maroon yeah. 5 that sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love their first album, though. When I was a teenager, I loved that I was first too album. old for it. By that point, I was, like, way too cool for that. In my own mind, to be clear. To, I was, I've never been actually yeah. cool. Just, like, in my own mind, I was like, Maroon 5, ugh. No. Panic at the Disco, what? You know what's funny is a lot of that music, and I think Courtney and I talked about this before, but, like, is when we were in high school, like, emo and then the competitor scene was a thing. So, like, that was a lot of things that at the time, because I was this angsty, you know, confused metalhead, I, I, I by default, was like, I hate all this. Yeah. But now as an adult, I'm looking back and I'm like, I love a lot of this. I love a yeah, lot of this. Oh, man. It. it feels I'm good. having the reverse reaction. I recently reconnected with a middle school boyfriend and on social media, and he started sending me, like, music that I guess I pretended to be into when we used to date. Like, I'm not really sure nice. what the intention is. But he, after, like, three songs that he sent me, I was like, listen, man, I gotta be up front with you. I fucking hate this. Like, nah. I was like, I'm into, like, I like music that makes me feel bad and sad and alone and, like, hopeless. I do love sad music. But not, like, I, like, really darkly sad music like I made him a playlist of like here are examples of things that make me want to not leave my room and that's where I'm at emotionally so like if I hear like a nasally like song about a girl 
I just, I'm just not there anymore. I finally reached that threshold. I'm finally old enough that like, I just can't relate to teenagers anymore. So with that in mind, I was, I still had a really good time with both of these movies and didn't feel that like, that I sometimes feel when I watch early 2000s movies about teenagers that I'm just like, oh my God, why are we here? I didn't (laughs) feel that with either of these. So it was really fun to see them again. Before we finish, I, I do want to know, what what to you is the most cringy teen aughts movie? Oh, man, there's so many. Pick one. Pick one that's, like, top of your head. The aughts is a What's very special time for, for these types of movies. Oh, man. Oh, that, like, on the spot, I can't even think of any because yeah. they're so bad. Okay. Well, and, like, can't you mentioned Can't Hardly Wait earlier, which is funny because, like, that was one of the few that I was, like, so into. I was so into that movie when it came out. But I, again, much older than you guys, I was, like, really into Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Uh, like, that yeah. was the stuff I used to, like, write in my journal about. I used to wear, I had a room full of, like, the prayer candles, and I used to wear Hawaiian shirts. Like, I went off the deep end with that Romeo and Juliet shit. So, it's not that that is cringy, but, like, who I was as a person. Like, I adopted the persona of every one of those movies that I was obsessed with at the time. I had two summers after I saw The Crow where I literally just wore, like, long sleeve black shirts and pleather pants. I remember mowing the yard in a pair of pleather pants. <laughs> That's amazing. And my dad being like, who are you trying to impress? And me being like, you don't understand me. <laughs> so dark and like you just can't even get into my space (laughs) i didn't watch a lot of like comedies though like i really i got into the the ugly dark stuff pretty young so i think that um yeah i i i didn't like any of them i I didn't like any of them (laughs) that's fair don't worry empire records Oh, that's yeah. fair. You know, I was, I think Tornado was We've telling you. We've talked about this I movie was, before. I, I didn't watch it until like a year ago. I don't like yeah. Empire Records. No. I think it's a very bad it movie. Is. But, but so many people have this attachment to it that I feel bad going like, guys, this movie's not good. Yeah. I, I, once again, Ethan oh, Embry. He really, like, he holds a soft spot yeah. in my heart. I love him so yeah. much. That Thing You Do is one of my favorite movies, and he plays. The bass player, the, <laughs> the unnamed, unnamed bass, bass player. player. He's just like got a precious gentleness that is very attractive, and yeah. like wasn't there wasn't enough of that at that moment. But he, right, Ethan Embry. What I love about him, he's like a gentle, sweet, nice guy, but he's also yeah. like a metalhead and horror. Fan. I know, like, like Elijah he, Wood. I remember, yeah, <laughs> like he has. He, there was an MTV show. I forgot what it was, but Ethan Embry was on it. A few people and Peter Steele of Typo oh, Negative. Wow. And that was amazing. That's an amazing I love Peter Steele. R.I.P. I know. Ten years. Yeah. So I guess, Tom, would you like to lead into our ending? You're really good with like leading into the endings. Oh, that's true. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm <laughs> good welcome. at closing the Close show. It out. Thank you for having me on the show. This is really fun, and it was nice to get to spend this time chatting with you guys about these movies. So, uh, quarantine's been brutal in a lot of ways, but opportunities yeah. like this make it feel a little more human and and reminiscent of meeting people out in public and having good conversations. So, <laughs> thank I you. I feel the same. 
it felt I was a little I'm not gonna lie, you were like this is our first like guest. I was a little nervous. And not only that, but like because I listen to you guys and have been catching up on episodes, I'm like, these you guys are hilarious and I love the dynamic and some of them just some of them but like um what was the oh, there was one recently you guys watched that I just like I can't Velocipaster. Velocipaster. It's it's better than you think (laughs) it's better than you think worth a shot definitely silly courtney you could totally handle this let's watch velocipaster we've talked about velocipaster i'm going to watch velocipaster and i will let you know okay yeah it's it's one of those ones that like much like it probably bloody bloody bible camp probably came up because we watched velocipaster um but nice. it's like they, they are yeah, related There's there is definitely there. the 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 costumes came from the same party city um <laughs> but uh they they it, it's better than you think it's better than you think i'll give okay. it that and it's short god i love a short movie i love 70 yeah. minutes like that's all i need yeah so i appreciate that yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending some of your time. I know you said that your schedule has been really crazy lately. So thank you so, so much for spending some of that time oh, with us. My pleasure. Thank you. No, th- it's it's been so much fun. And I hope we didn't take, because I know we were like, oh, we do, we usually do about you know, a little over an hour, an hour, but we went well. <laughs> That's okay. We <laughs> had to get I, to I, know each other first. Yes. Yeah. So I appreciate it. And thank you so much. And also thank you to the listeners for listening. And thank you if you did the extra homework of watching these movies ahead of time. Courtney and I, especially Courtney, because I'm I'm very bad at social media. Thank you. Courtney's very good at letting people know what's happening and when it's happening. So if you didn't listen to Courtney, shame on you. You had your warning. But I appreciate it. And if you didn't before, you can check us out at the Instagram page. Remember the aughts zero zeros. Remember the zero zeros podcast. Be sure, absolutely, check out Queens of NC17 if you haven't already. If anything, you, some of you guys might be listening to me, and thank you for joining. But yes, go check them out. We are Queens of NC17 on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the things. Queensofnc17.com is our website. So if you can't remember that, you can just Google search us. It'll take you to our website, and then that links you back out to all the different places. Instagram is where we engage with people the most. And then we also have our secondary podcast, like I mentioned, Queens of Reality TV. It's a little newer show for us, but totally different content. So for the people who like our style, our friendship, the way we riff, but maybe aren't so much into the horror movies, it's a great opportunity to like get that same flavor, be able to watch a series with us and and have that same like chemistry friendship dynamic but you get to uh do it over some different content that maybe is a little more fun we actually have two very different listener bases for those two shows which is funny i would imagine we thought it would be like oh our fans would come over to this show because they like us but it's actually been two very different groups of people so it's been fun to meet a wider range of people from around the country and outside of the country actually canada loves us for some reason i don't know well they made a great horror movie they've made a few all right and with that everybody thank you so much be sure to listen tune in and next week um we're gonna go through the whole month of october halloween season be sure to watch the movies we will talk about on instagram i think the next one's freddy vs jason it is now. It is now. Whatever it was before, it's happening now. Now it's canon because you said it. It is Speak canon it into now. reality. <laughs> uh, and that's the power of chaos magic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much and peace out. See you next time. 